Welcome to Purposely Bossing Up, where we talk about bossing up in business, but we always talk about bossing up in life. Hey y'all, this is your girl T, the host of Purposely Bossing Up. On today's episode, we have Jocelyn Williams. Passionate about the world of recovery, Jocelyn is one of nine certified grief recovery specialists and trainers who helps people recover a sense of happiness in their life and trains the others to do the same. Not only does Jocelyn help people heal during these in-person workshops, but she also helps people heal through their writings by helping them answer this one question, how do I go about living my best life? So I introduce to you all Jocelyn Williams. Hello, Jocelyn. Hey, T. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I am well. I am well. I'm glad the day is almost over, but <laughs> it was a productive day, and that's what matters. Yeah, it's it's super hot where I am, so I just try to avoid the heat. That That's what helps the day go better. Yes, absolutely. Staying cool is a plus. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to jump into this interview. So, of course, this podcast is called Purposely Bossing Up. Right. Jocelyn, what is your definition of purpose? Okay, so that's the million-dollar question, right? That's like yes. what, what's the purpose of life? That is what we all want to know. So every time I think about this question or I hear somebody ask it, I, I always come up with the same answer, which is I think it has to do with something beyond ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. if our purpose is just within ourselves, I think that's when you find people who end up in misery in one way or another. I was reading a version of First Peter 4, 2 that I'd never, mm-hmm. it, I'd never read it, this particular version before. But when I did, I was like, yep, this is, this is my answer for a purpose. I actually wrote it down, which is so it's, um, so live the rest of your earthly life, no longer concerned with human desire, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. And yes. I feel like, if we spend our life just focusing on that, purpose will make sense. We don't have to walk around with uh, question marks and feeling like, what are we doing? I, I think that's the, like the center and the focus that brings an answer to that question. Yes, that's absolutely right. And I tell people each and every episode is one question that's asked the same, but answered different, but the result is still the same. Right, so, yeah. It's, it's crazy because, you know, everyone's going to have their own definition of purpose. But once you start putting all of these definitions together, they all start to sound the same. Because yeah. it's like, oh, okay, you know, what, what some people may say is, you know, you might wake up and you have a different purpose every day, depending on the day. Or some people right. say, you know, it's, it's the gift that God gave you is your purpose. And, you know, you just have different definitions. But I feel like they all ultimately come to the same thing. Yeah, and I love that. I love that we all have our own answer, but we're all basically leading to the same thing anyway. Yep. So what is one word you would use to describe yourself and why? Okay, so I would use the word conduit, and let me explain why. (laughs) So a conduit is, is, is something or someone that takes you from one place 
to another. And that's really what I do in my work, especially in the area of grief recovery. I'm just helping people who have experienced pain and loss and then I'm helping them move them into a direction of healing. So I feel like that's just the best word to describe me because it's what I do <laughs> is, is go from one place, help people go from one place to other. And I'm not doing people's work for them. I'm just helping them head into the, the direction that they, that they need to go. So I think just in, in all the stuff that I do, whether it's grief recovery or writing, it all mm-hmm. kind of serves that, that it serves that same purpose, kind of helping you get to A to B. Yep, I agree. <laughs> that's a good mm-hmm. word, though. And of course, no one's ever used that word yet. But that's definitely a good word. And like you said, just even um, using it in the field that you're in right now, it's the perfect fit. Yeah, I, and I borrowed it from somebody, like a colleague in, in my field. Actually, the, the founder of the Grief Recovery Institute, he used that word one, one time. He said, that's all you, that's all we all are. We're, we're conduits. We take people from one to another. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep that word. Yep. Sounds right. <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So can you tell our listeners how, you know, you basically got into what you're doing today? Oh, yeah. Um, by accident. <laughs> that's, mm. how, that's, that's how I got into it. At the time, I was working for my church, and we needed some program to help people who were grieving because we didn't have anything like that. So uh-huh. my job my job was to, to find something. And so I started Googling, and um, I started talking to people, and people would tell me that they were trained at the Grief Recovery Institute. And by the fifth person who told me that Grief Recovery Institute, I'm like, okay, that's a hint. Let me call those people. And right. so... I called and the executive director at the time was the one who picked up the phone and, and he talked to me uh, for about 45 minutes. And I was convinced after those 45 minutes that this was probably the place that was the right place to be. So I went going in thinking I'm going to still at the time, I'm going to get this training so I can take it back to my church and so we can help people. But I hadn't connected any dots. Yet, so I didn't realize that when I got there, I discovered in the training that we don't do anything beyond uh, what we're willing to work on for ourselves. So I can't, I can't help you if I'm not willing to work on myself. Right. And so you spend, um, you spend a, a large part of that training working on your own emotional healing. And so I just became the hugest fan of the work because it was so complete, just beyond my expectations and started teaching the classes. And then one day a friend of mine was like, maybe this is your calling. And I was like, maybe it is. Wow. <laughs> so it, it was not at all some sort of conscious, I know this is where I'm meant to be. It it, it just, it happened that way. And I think that's fine. I, I think sometimes if we always have our mindset on this is the one thing I'm meant to do, we'll miss out on other opportunities that could be a tremendous blessing to ourselves and other people. So right. So that's how that's how I I first got into it. Wow. So while we're on that topic, you know, as a certified grief recovery specialist, how do you help your clients achieve their goals? So most of my clients' goals are relief from pain. Okay. Um, they they want to be happy again. They want to maybe some people want to get over their ex. Some people have had somebody die that mm-hmm. um, meant the world to them. And they want to know if they can live their life again without them. Some people have experienced a decline in their health. And it not only affects them, it's their family as well. So those are like the presenting issues. And so 
what I do is I work with them and we always say the work we do is grief recovery and the emphasis is on recovery. So whatever that grief is that brought you, I'm going to give you some tools really that you can use for the the rest of your life to recover from the pain. So the goal is really helping people regain a sense of happiness in, in their mm-hmm. lives. That's, so that's awesome. That's what the work does. Yeah. It's it's good work. It's good stuff. It definitely is because, you know, grief can be anything. You know, a lot of people hear the word grief and they think about mm-hmm. someone dying all the time. But right. grief can right. go along with a lot of things. And in the field that I'm in part time, I do um I'm a victim advocate for people, you oh. know, who have been victimized. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're dealing with a lot of people who going through trauma and yep. it's it's and that's grief as well, you know. Um it absolutely I feel is. Like it's it's just uh it's a trying it takes special people to fulfill those kind of slots, I always say. Yeah. To take those take on those kind of jobs because you really have to have one an open mind. You have to two, um, be caring and, and show you can show and it's okay to show emotion with, you know, with the person right. that you you know, that might be your client. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it, it gets hard, you know, and I'm sure yeah. it's, it's been moments where, you know, you, you probably yourself felt vulnerable in the situation because of maybe the story that the person is telling you. Oh, so absolutely. I get it. Yeah, you should do that. There's actually over 40 different types of losses that we can experience in life. And so if you can imagine that with that number, there's, there's one for everybody. Everybody has yep. something that they're going through, uh, something that they would like to be different. And so to be like the person that you said who can listen and have empathy for, for people, you know, it just takes, you're just starting out with those things. That's a great thing. Can you listen to somebody? Can you not tell them how they should be feeling? Can right. you just, can you just sit with them in their pain for a moment until they, you know, work themselves through something? That, you're just starting there will get you started in, in doing this work if people, you have a heart for that. Yeah, that's awesome. So can you tell our listeners about Mo Better Joe? <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, um, my husband came up with that name. I, I have to give him credit for it. I, I didn't know, you know, all of my names, all of my nicknames before I got married uh-huh. w- were attached to my maiden name. So I, I had to figure out something else. So, um, <laughs> so that's where Mo Better Joe came from. And the, the idea really is, um, that, that tagline you said at the beginning is like, how do we, how do we go about living our best life? And mm-hmm. obviously my perspective is from a grief recovery perspective. And I, I think it's an important, uh, voice to, to have and to put out there because I think a lot of times we're told to focus on the positive and just, just think about the good stuff. And, but that takes away an essential part of ourselves, which is the whole truth. So the whole truth is we do have fears and we do have pain. And so to, how do we address those and acknowledge them for what they are and then deal with them? Because pretending they don't exist doesn't make them go away. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it started the Mo Better Joe part started even, even before the name when, when I was single. And I got married at the age of 45 for the first mm-hmm. time. And wow. so I spent a good long time in my singleness. And um, I would, I knew from my own life and from conversations that I had with, with other girlfriends that there's a portion of the single life that we really look at as a loss. 
and then, you know, a lot of the advice we get is to, you know, get some good hobbies and enjoy your life and appreciate what you have. And that's all great. But I, I wanted to create a space for single people to explore every part of their their emotional life and their mental life in regards to being single. So all the stuff that people would just tell you to, to just think happy thoughts instead of actually deal with it. So just things like living with regret and, and how do you get through holidays when you have family members telling you they wish you were married or you're looking at these couples mm. wish, wishing you had what, what they have and, and all of that stuff. So those are the life situations that I started to blog about, just really wanting to give a, a voice to that. Uh, because I feel like it's important. It's important for people to feel like they're understood and that right. they're they're respected for what their experience is. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really where that's really where it started. And then it's kind of just expanded to other life situations. So I'm, you know, newly married. Actually, our our two year wedding anniversary was yesterday. So, oh, um, was yeah, my Sunday, whatever day that was. <laughs> so. That's uh, uh, just being newly married. There's just experiences in that too. I, I just like to approach things from the perspective of: Is there anything in this that is a, a fear, a challenge? I consider it to be a loss, and that I actually talk about it, and I'm not walking around faking the funk with a smile on my face, pretending everything mm-hmm. is perfect when something's going on. I just really want to encourage myself, so it's not just other people, myself as well, to be as honest as I possibly can about my life. And I feel like the way you get to your best life is to be honest about the good and the bad. And That's when you, right. Right? When you find something that is not as good as you would like it to be to address it. But the only way you address it is being honest about it. So I just mm-hmm. want to create a forum where people get used to being honest about themselves. That is the truth. If you're not honest with yourself, how can you be honest with other people? Like, right. it's, it's a two-way street. You have to, just like I tell some of my clients, that even when I do some speaking engagement, self-care and self-love starts at home first. There's no way you can fully love someone or be in love with someone if you're not loving on yourself, because then you're cheating right. yourself. So right. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. handle handle you, everybody. Handle you. You come first. Right. <laughs> right. It's true. It's true. Yeah, uh, I used to always hear people say two half people don't make a whole. You need you need two whole people to come together. So that's right. Um, be as whole and complete as you can, as you know to be, and that starts with being honest. You know. Yeah. So you know, as children and even as adults, we have role models and mentors. So who was your role model or mentor growing up, and did it change over the years? Well, yeah, it did. It did change over the years because my mentor growing up was Janet Jackson. So <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Janet. Yes, <laughs> I still remember the first time I saw "What Have You Done for Me Lately." Like I was already a fan. Like I mean, I'm a just true fan. I'm good times Janet fan. You know what I mean? I go way, way back, and so I've I've loved her. And our names were so similar. So growing up, she she would have been who I looked to the most, and. But I would say in in my adult life, I've had a lot of mentors, actually. And really, I think you just would have to point to a particular area. I think since we've been talking about grief recovery, I can mention my grief recovery uh, mentor, which uh, was Russell Friedman. He's the one I mentioned who was the executive director uh, and stayed the executive director of the Institute until mm-hmm. he died in 2016. But he 
you know, when I first called in, I, I was looking just to get information. And then he spent 45 minutes on the phone with me just getting to know me. And those qualities you were talking about earlier, he, he did those. He was listening. He was engaging in what I was saying. He wasn't trying to tell me what to do or what to think. Right. And uh, by the end of the conversation, I was more, I think I was more convinced to do the work because of how he presented it in, in himself, right? Mm-hmm. And so the training to become a specialist is, is a four-day training, and it's, it's very intensive, emphasis on intensive. And uh, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do, though, in four days, right? So we left that time, and we were encouraged by him to call in if we have any questions. And let me tell you, I took him up on that. I sure did. I taught my first four classes. I felt like it was really me and him. So I would call the day after um, my class and I would tell him how it went. I would I would tell him the questions people asked. I would tell him how I answered. I would ask him if he would have added anything to it. And mm-hmm. uh, I really I really worked through my first four or maybe even more classes that way, literally being mentored by by him and his decades of experience in the field. And uh, it got to a point where I didn't need to call that much, but I would still, I would still call anyways. It actually lived, right. a mile, I lived a mile away from the Institute at the time. So I would stop in all the time and um, you, we just moved on from grief recovery stuff. And then he would be helping me with boys and dating and, and just stuff in life because he's just very, just wise and, and, in those areas and just really had a, a heart. He has a heart to help people. And so Mm. I am grateful for the time that Russell uh, was in my life because I think it's, it's not every day that you have somebody who just genuinely cares um, and shows up in a way that says, "I I care about you more than whatever the situation is. So it wasn't just that he's helping me with the grief recovery stuff. He just cared about me. And I think that's like one of the best gifts that a mentor can pass on to whoever they're mentoring. That's right. And he did, and he did that. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm glad, you know, you had him in your life when you did, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. I am too. So if you can give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh my goodness. <laughs> my, <laughs> my younger self. Yeah. Okay. I would tell my younger self to not be distracted by hateful people. And Mm. I, when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't necessarily look at somebody like that's a hateful person. I just like, like that's somebody who is looking at me and saying some things that I think are horrible, but I had the habit of kind of taking in things that people would say good or bad. Mm helpful or not. And so I don't think I was as discerning at a younger age at being able to say, uh, no, I don't know what this person's deal is, but, right. but I'm not the problem. They're, they want, they want me to be for whatever's going on with them. So I, I, mm-hmm. I would have, you know, saved myself a little bit of time and a lot of self-esteem <laughs> had I not wrestled with things that I never really needed to wrestle with. And I'm not talking about not being open to to criticism and growing that's different like it's told you know when somebody has a spirit of help uh and, or or a spirit of hurt um and so i used to just take it all in so that's wow. what i would just 
I would just tell my younger self, um, know when somebody actually is for you because that's the only stuff you need to listen to and the rest just disregard it. Don't even, don't even bother. Right. That's a good piece of advice though. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can be applied, you know, as a younger person or even as an adult. Oh, it sure but can. Right. Especially in today's time where we as people become so absorbed with, let's say, social media, for instance, mm. you know, oh, yeah. that are really jacked up mentally. <laughs> that are really oh, messed up mentally. You and know, you convince that people out here, like you said, out here living their best life, but really not, you know, when yep. mm-hmm. we, we gain emotion from what we see, like we can see. Uh, a couple, and we're like, oh, my God, they're so in love. They travel together. He does this for her, does that for her. But we don't know behind closed doors, he can be mentally abusing her, physically abusing her. We don't know nobody's backstory. Yeah, that is the 100% truth. It is, I always say, I always call it curation. Like, w- what we see on social media is curated life. Like, a oh, nice yeah. little, pretty, it's a nice, pretty museum. It's a nice picture of something, but it's not. it's not the whole truth. So it's it's I feel like it's so damaging. It's hard because you do want to share, you know, you want to share successes and and different parts of your life. I think that's fine, but I think we also should be very conscious of the image that we present on social media. So if somebody were to look at our entire feed, everything that we have, and the only thing they see is the happy smiley, everything is perfect. I think that's uh, something that we should be cautious against because yeah. you and, and, and thinking and thinking beyond yourself, because if you think beyond yourself and what you're putting out and showing to others, we all know that we're a society of people who compare, we compare ourselves to one another. So what somebody mm-hmm. tends to do, like we think, Oh, I'm just going to show somebody the, how I'm winning in life. But then what that person receives is something that they're now comparing themselves against. So they're comparing themselves against what you've curated, and that's not actually the totality or the truth of who you are. And so now this person is miserable because they're not as great as what they're looking at. And uh, even though that's not the entire truth itself. And so I just think, you know, there are a lot of great things. You know, Twitter is my favorite place. So there are some things I, I enjoy about social media, but I think there are some things that are really just dangerous. Yeah. And I don't think I don't even think I'm using that word in a dramatic way. I think it is just just dangerous to create one one image that's not the truth. That's right. Yeah. It's it's crazy out here. <laughs> it's definitely crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. But me and my friends literally we we have these conversations almost on a frequent basis because we like, Oh my gosh, like why are y'all here fighting like that? Like cut it out. Oh. Like, we, yeah. especially with people that we know is a lie. You know what I mean? Like, it's different <laughs> if it's somebody like, don't know, we like, oh, well, we don't know, but congratulations, or, you know, whatever it is. But people that we personally know, we're like, you want your friend right. on social media? Like, cut it all the way out. You can it. See, I dare you one time to put a, a, a response and be like, you a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put it up this week and oh. I'll tag you in it. And I'll be like, hey, we're talking about this this week. <laughs> you know, you're lying. <laughs> or maybe, uh, yeah, or maybe just call them. Be like, hey, how you do it? Because I think there's something too. Like, if, if somebody is so dedicated to presenting themselves in a way that 
you and they know is not the truth, then that, that's right. a good time to, to maybe not put them on blast, but just reach out to them and be like, hey, right. what's yeah. going on? Because it's really easy to suppress the truth. Yes. It, 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 once you get in the habit of faking the funk, it gets really easy to ignore the things that we should be paying attention to. Absolutely. And so I think in a in a weird way, that's what's good about social media is that you can see you can see that you you can see when especially the people in your lives when they're presenting something that, you know, is far from the truth. And that's that's a signal for, for us to reach out however mm-hmm. we can to see if there's anything that they would like help with or, you know, or want to talk to somebody right. who they know care, cares about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, oh man, that's a whole nother topic. It sure is. So, you know, with everything that you know you may have going on, whether it's personal or business, what do you feel was your biggest challenge to get where you are today? And basically, how did you overcome that? I felt like my biggest challenge, it was honestly myself. I I felt like Mm -hmm. um, I have sometimes had a hard time believing in myself. And, you know, thankfully, I have some great friends who are able to see things in myself that sometimes I'm not willing to to see and to speak. So, so sometimes if I hear someone say something that's kind or just what they observe, and I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> like, I realize I have right. something that I need to work on within myself. And I think it maybe probably, it does go back to just sometimes believing too much in, in what has been poured into you in a negative way. And taking mm-hmm. on things that you that you shouldn't have. I think I spent a lot of time not believing that you know I could be a leader in a certain way, and because I just spent too much time wanting other people's approval. Like somehow somebody's going to walk around with their stamp of approval, and then once I get that approval, then I can go out and do whatever whatever it is I want to do. And it's and it's just it's a little it's backwards. We've all been endowed with gifts and skills. And the only person who really has that that power to give you a stamp of approval is God. But then I spend time worrying about, you know, what somebody else thinks. Or even just in life, I've I've had a lot of administrative jobs or that kind of behind the scenes and support Mm -hmm. jobs. And so I think a, a lot of times those people get looked at as support people. They're not leaders, they're supporters. But you can support and lead at the same time. And so I think I, I kind of got caught up in that support world in thinking that, well, this is all anybody sees of me. So it just took moving beyond that myself. Like, okay, look, I know I have something inside me that I feel is important to say. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. And if two people listen, okay, great, because I'm at least doing what I know I should be. Right. That's good. You know that you were yeah. able to, you know, keep them safe. Yeah. And yeah, so the, I would just say, I, honestly, I feel like I've been my own um, biggest challenge in just getting out there and doing what it is that I believe I'm supposed to be doing and not oh, yeah. waiting for, you know, not waiting for anybody or caring even necessarily what somebody else thinks. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure plenty of us have been in our own way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure plenty of us have been in our own way, especially, um, like you said, like even like with just like starting a business or taking, you know, elevating your business or just in your personal life, you know, we'll get in our own way and then the devil steps in and want to change up your thoughts and 
and, and, and it makes you think that you're not capable of doing it. And it's just like a, a mm-hmm. inner battle, but it's an inner battle that you can fight. So, yeah. you know, as long as you have faith and you stay prayed up, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and knowing that it's not only something that, that you can, that you can fight, but it's, it's, it's something that's already been fought and yeah. you, you're, you're already the victor. You just need to realize it. Yeah. Not, when you when you realize that you, you'll you'll think in a different way, that struggle doesn't be, it's not a struggle anymore. It's just kind of reminding yourself, oh yeah, I'm already I'm already in the right place and moving in the right direction. I just need to get to moving. <laughs> and, and right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I know that as a recovery specialist, you have to breathe. It is so important that you breathe. So what are some ways that you may practice self-love and self-care? Oh, yeah. So, you know, yes, I work in the, the field of grief recovery. So emotionally doing doing that work is a part of self-care. We we were talking a little while back of just about getting sleep. I'm telling you something. Um, getting a good night's rest has, has uh, changed my life for the better because I'm not you know, walking through the day exhausted doesn't doesn't do you any favors. So so doing my best to to sleep a certain amount of hours. And sometimes I don't like to say a certain number because then, you know, sometimes I'll wake up after seven hours or six and a half or something. And so right. I'm supposed to for, force myself to sleep longer. So I, whenever I wake up, it, it is what it is. But just being practiced at recognizing that rest is important. So I'd say physical rest. And then resting my own mind. So meditating is, is great too. So there's a couple ways I do it, like meditating on God's word. I consider that to be a, a portion of self-care. And then just meditating in a way that I'm just shutting down my mind and my thoughts. Because I'm the type of person who has thoughts about thoughts. And I could just sit around and think about stuff all the live long right. And so just shutting that down and practicing to be still to me is is self-care because I I need to do things that that slow me down as opposed to keep me revved up all the time. I I think you find answers to questions that you maybe are looking for and when you're at rest, when there's peace in your mind. Mm -hmm. So you can't do that running around doing 10 million things. So practicing those things and then Working out too is good. Just, just some extra something, something good for my body. I think that's a mm-hmm. great way to to care for for myself as well. So I think all of those kind of work together for a, a good bunch of things to do and caring. For yeah, that's body. definitely a good um, mixture of things. You know, and of course, everyone's going to tell you different things when you ask that question. I had one person tell me that they like retail therapy. So a way that they kind of like get away from it is to go buy something. And then she said even sometimes like she might not even go buy anything. She might just window shop or go in and Uh try something on that may not particularly buy it. But, you know, just that time that she can go and, you know, do the things that she likes to do helps her Mm -hmm. get back in tune with herself. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon would be my retail thing. Uh-oh. Have you bought anything for Amazon Prime Day? <laughs> I just I just realized like a couple hours ago, I was like, oh, I missed it this time. I have not. I have not. <laughs> That's good. That is good. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who have spent quite a bit of fun 
on Amazon yeah. these last two days. I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all need to cut it off. Right. Mm-hmm. It's real. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. So what is one resource or item or, you know, anything that you use in your personal or business life every single day that you cannot live without? I heard you say this, and it's my answer as well. It would be my planner, but I can't <laughs> say that I I use it every day. I should use it every day. That would be really nice if I used it every day. Uh, but every time I use it, I I tell myself I should do this every day. I just I just haven't gotten into the practice of it. I guess um, sometimes I just get busy, but whenever yeah. I do, I find like everything that's in my head, it is so much better for my life that it's just on paper um, as opposed to constantly thinking about, okay, what's next? What's next? So just getting it out of my head and, and onto paper is, is great. I haven't used it yet, but there's, um, have you heard of bullet journaling? No. So, so we can both look into it because apparently this is like next level planning. So, um, yes. So from what I understand, and unfortunately, I wish somebody who was a bullet journaler was here to explain it, but you're going to have to use mine for now. So <laughs> what I understand is basically getting everything first out of your head and onto paper, but a way for you to organize it in, in a way that really makes sense for your life, as opposed to, you know, the, the planners we use, use have, you know, the times that we need to write something down or we need to do something. But this is just kind of, I guess, more customized for your life. More customized mm. version of planning, so I, that seems to me to be like next level planning. I want to, I want to get to that because mm. I, I love putting things on paper, and I, I feel like that gives me the structure that I need. I love the feeling of checking things off, like okay, got that done, got yeah. that done, and mm-hmm, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the planner is the way to go for me. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. Uh, yeah, that's going to be on my to do list for tomorrow. I'm oh, going to look good. into that. And see see what what this is all about. So see I what see, it's about. Know, yeah, see what the concept is, and see what it may look like. You know that kind of stuff. So yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely will look into that because I'm definitely like a writer at heart. I used to write as a child. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I was younger, I wanted to like write poetry for children. Oh yeah. Um, I had some pieces published in like some of our local papers here in Philly. Like I, I did, I did a nice little thing, and then I stopped. So then I got, you know, as I got older, I got involved in the other things and all that other uh-huh. stuff. So as I got older and I had moved back home, I said, you know what, I'm gonna start writing again. But then when I thought about it, I was like, well, let me see if I can find my, you know, my my notebooks that had all my poems and stuff like that in there. Yeah, and I didn't find none of them. Oh, couldn't find any of them. So, I, of course, I got upset because I'm like, oh, my gosh, all those things are right. They can't find nothing. Right. Yeah. But then I was like, well, you know what? Maybe this is just God telling me this is what's going to quit. So, like, find something else that you may like to do and mm-hmm. start all over. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just listening to him <laughs> and do what I need to do. <laughs> I was you like, know. oh, my gosh, all my poems and everything. Like, I was doing, I was doing weddings, like, poems at weddings. I was just doing poems everywhere, and then now they're just all gone. And and um, did you did you start writing again? I did kind of start writing again. Um, I had some things in the works now, in the process of writing a book. So at least I still can have that pen to paper action. It's not poems, but yeah, I'm like literally writing now. So that's great. I'm excited I'm hoping about somehow it. they're gonna yeah. Keep keep doing it 
and keep putting your voice out there. And I'm I'm praying that those other ones from um, that you did before somehow make yes. it back to you. <laughs> right. That's, that's somewhere. It was just so many of them. It was at least a good three spiral notebook full. Like, right. I was writing, like, about everything and anything. So oh. hopefully I can um, get get those back, or if not, if, if I suppose to be writing poetry, I'll get back into it. Someone told me I should write a book about, like, affirmations, like a daily affirmation book. Um, yeah. I, people, a lot of people have changed to me about writing all kinds of stuff, but, you know, I just pray on it and then just ask God which way you want me to go. Because yeah. if I move the way other people want me to move, it's not for me. Right, yeah. And I think, too, I think a good a good sign of what we could do next or what we should be doing next is when somebody does suggest something, like if it, if it sparks something in your heart, if it sparks, oh, yeah. you know, like the, a sense of, yeah, this is right. And you feel happy about it and you're at peace and, and you know, it's in God's will. Like, I feel like that's the, that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. You know? So it'll, it'll come into fruition. I'm sure in the next five years, something is going to happen. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So, so some literature should be out by then. That's great. That's good stuff. So can you tell our listeners about any upcoming events or projects that you have? Sure. The upcoming things I have are both the grief recovery trainings and the workshop. So mm-hmm. if a workshop is uh, when somebody comes and they, they need help, like they have a loss or they're grieving and the way I do them, they're actually an intensive two-day uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. And also, I like you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a trainer for the Institute. So I, I certify people who want to do this work. And that's the, that's the four-day intensive thing that I was mentioning. And so there's a, quite, there's a few dates coming up. And I think the easiest way is if you're looking for either one of those, just to go onto the website at mopetajoe.com, and then you'll you'll see all the information and dates of of those things. Awesome! Yes, everyone. If you're looking into getting into this field, make sure you visit her website and sign up. <laughs> yes, sign up. So, how can our people mm-hmm. find you on social media outside of going to the website? Outside of the website, I'm on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and Pinterest is Mo Betta Joe. And then I'm also on LinkedIn under my, my name, uh, Jocelyn Jackson Williams. So those are all the ways to, to reach out online. Awesome. So before we go, can you give our listeners one tip on how to build up, not just in business, but just in life? Yeah, let's see. I think the best way to box up other than being being honest about yourself, is to be an eternal student uh, of life. I, I think if we are constantly learning, keep that uh, mindset that we never really arrive somewhere. We're all on a journey. And I think the second you feel like you arrive somewhere, then you stop learning. So that's, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. So just to have the, the attitude that there's something I can learn um, from a situation and even if you've been in a particular field for a while, I come across it sometimes where people come to me because they've done a lot of work in the in the field of, of mental health or, or grief recovery or whatever it is. And, and that they kind of get stuck because like, well, I've done a lot of work. But there's always there's right. always something else we can learn about ourselves. And I just feel like 
honestly, we're in times where people are just ahistorical. So, like, the only thing that people think is really valuable is their opinion. And if we spend more time researching and listening to each other, I think the experiences we have, especially on social media, that they would just be actually fruitful, that we could get to a point where we're actually having conversations instead of clapbacks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that happens when we dedicate ourselves to always learn and, and grow. Yes, that is a good piece of advice. I hope everyone jotted that down, made a mental note about it. Like she said, her, her brand is all about being the best version of yourself and living your best life. So I think it is an amazing piece of advice that she gave. Definitely drop some nuggets on here, and I hope everybody was writing how they get in contact with you if need be. But I'm just so happy to have had you on this episode of Perfect Schools and Up, Jocelyn. Well, thank you for having me, T. Thank you for creating this. This is incredible that you have a space for people who are for entrepreneurs or who are, whoever is listening. If you just like the advice that comes with it, to, to have this space so people can learn from it, you know, and, and grow. It's, it's a great thing. And you, so you're doing some good work, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we're going to connect outside of the podcast some way, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And with that being said, I hope everyone has an amazing day and continue to fall out with purpose. for listening to this episode of Purposely Bossing Up. Continue to keep bossing up with purpose.